second reading of the sacred text comes from the book of Matthew. It is chapter, uh, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. That ends the reading of the text. Thank you, Lisa. So recently, you may have noticed, the idea of taking a knee has been in the headlines a lot. Believe it or not, that relates to today. It's such a quiet little action, but it sure has sparked strong and furious responses. So what is this all about? Well, fortunately, the convergence of today's gospel with World Communion Sunday helps us understand a little bit of what is at stake here. You need to slow down and hear that gospel reading a little bit of what really happened to what Jesus was really doing. I mean, if you picture the scene like you were going to script it out and play it, um, these chief priests and elders are, are really trying to, as they often end up doing, to trap Jesus. And they come into the temple where he is probably preaching to a group of followers. And... And they confront him with a question they think 
might get him in trouble. And Jesus understands what's at stake here. What authority? Where do you get this from? Where do you get the authority to say what you're saying, Jesus? Where does it come from? You know, we're the people with the authority. We're the chief priests. We are the elders here. We have the authority. And, you know, Jesus doesn't just answer, his quest, answer the questions. You know, he comes back at them with a question. Good teaching tool, I think. Um, and if you picture this, it doesn't quite tell you this here, but they start arguing with each other. So what I think happened is they kind of walked away for a couple of minutes. Jesus probably continued doing what he was doing, uh, talking to others. Uh, and they're having a fight with each other about what is going to be the best strategy in answering Jesus' question. And they realize in that, that either way, they can't win with the crowd. They can't win with those who are following Jesus. And that it's only going to give Jesus more authority and undermine their own authority. The Gospels are filled with stories about who has authority and where the authority comes from. And we as followers of Jesus place a lot of authority in Jesus but what's more interesting to follow is how Jesus deals with the threat to authority or the reality of how authority is dealt with in the society that he's living in. So, going back to taking a knee, what these NFL players and some other sports um, stars are doing clearly relates to the Black Lives Matter resistance movement. It clearly relates to the original sin in America of racism and to lives affected by power over instead of power with. But let me step back into my past because this is what happened to me as I was reading the scriptures for today and thinking about all of this. And this take a knee movement has reminded me of my Roman Catholic days. So, the Vatican II Church Council under Pope John XXIII in the early 1960s breathed new light and freedom into the Catholic Church. Less than ten years later, I would come fresh out of high school and into eight years of seminary. I would not understand at the time, but this was a decade of what you might call the flower children of the Church. 1970s. The flower children of the church revolution. And we would reap the benefits of newfound freedom and permission to experiment. Bishops looked the other way when this experimenting was happening in the church and says, I hear nothing. I don't want to know about it. Don't tell me what you're doing because then I have to stop you. See how authority works there? They were the established religious authorities who were kind of whispering their support or at least their, uh, okay, we won't stop it. The 1980s would see the religious establishment in the Catholic Church um, have a backlash and revert back a lot. But that's a story for another day. There were religious posturing expectations when I was a Catholic. I'm sure there still is. When you enter the church, when you enter a Catholic church as a Catholic, you're 
One of the first things you're supposed to do is uh, take a little bit of holy water and make the sign of the cross with it. And that's a whole other story about how it becomes holy water. But you may have seen that if you've been in Catholic churches. Uh, sometimes it's a big bowl, sometimes it's just a little tiny thing attached to a wall that has a little bit in it. Um, and that's the first thing. That's the first posturing or gesturing that you're supposed to do that shows that you're in accordance. Now when you find your seat, before you enter the row and take your seat, you're supposed to genuflect in respect to the tabernacle, where the communion elements not used the last time they had communion are stored and preserved and kept and considered a certain kind of presence of uh, Christ in our midst. Now, do you all know what genuflecting is? You know, it, it's kind of the one knee approach. And uh, some people go all the way to the ground, and some just go... Uh, I'll show you a couple examples here. Th this is the lazy genuflect. Just like that. And then this is the, I am totally devoted, I'm going to do the whole thing genuflect. Okay? And there's some in-between ones, you know? And uh, believe it, believe me, in Catholic churches, people are watching who's doing these things which way. And inside of heads, there's, there's, there's judgments that happen. I know I remember feeling that. I remember feeling that. He didn't, he didn't do that right, you know? Maybe he's not really a good Catholic. He's going to be a priest? How could he be genuflecting so poorly? Now, during certain parts of communion time, you also would kneel. Um, all the people would kneel. Um, and uh, in that case, you kneel with both knees. Of course, over time, they give you kneelers to kneel on. And originally, they were just wood, but eventually they started padding them. Uh, but there's still some Catholic churches around this world that just have wooden kneelers. Um, and, uh, and so... That's something that you do as a sign of reverence toward the authority um, of Christ and of God uh, in our lives. And uh, then, as what you'll notice is that people who have bad knees, they kind of put their butt on the back of the pew behind them and they're kind of halfway kneeling, but they're not putting any pressure on their knees. And then people will look around and say, well, that can't be any, that person's young, there can't be anything wrong with their knees, how come they're not fully kneeling? I don't know if you're familiar with any of this, but this was a big deal. And in the 1970s, as the church was going through experimenting and reforming, and us flower children of a church revolution, we were wondering whether we should throw all of these things out. Vatican II gave us murky permission to test the waters of resistance to a new way for a new time. Now with all these gestures, I considered in every instance and sometimes carried out quiet resistance to all these expectations from the established religious powers. Sometimes when I resisted, just went into the pew and didn't genuflect, I would feel alone. Sometimes I would feel solidarity with the similar resistance of others, because whenever we do it, we kind of look around and see if we're the only ones and see if anybody else is going to resist along with us. 
Rarely when we have an open dialogue about it. I can't really remember too many conversations about it. I saw these expected gestures and posturing as an allegiance to an old power structure. And that the winds of the spirit in Vatican II would blow it all away. There was not, they were not a sign of respect and reverence to God. For me and for many of us flower children of the church revolution. They were more of a sign of submission to human authorities. For us. And besides, Jesus wants us to transform the world into a better place. And these simple religious requirements were pacifying Catholics to do what they were told to do, rather than to be on fire for the revolutionary call of Jesus. So after this sermon, um, we'll be singing, Let Us Break Bread, together. On our knees. We sang this hymn all the time in my Catholic days. And in my context, it was a reminder of the submission that was expected to church authorities. So I, I hated the song. Today, and I literally mean today, I see it as a call to the communion table of resistance. As I look back, I did not understand the push and the pull dynamics of submission versus resistance in, in human, to human authorities. I felt it, but I doubt I could have talked about it back then. It was coursing through every part of me. I was like a live wire with negative and positive energy setting me on fire most of the time. Well, now I'm in the United Church of Christ because of a different vision of power and authority. Look at today's gospel. Jesus had a very different vision of authority. He sees that the religious establishment is trapped in their own control mechanisms, claiming, I'm sure, that they are just doing what God wants. Jesus resists and is clever about how he defends his resistance. Jesus is posturing and moving to a story that causes his adversaries to think. And they feel trapped. Jesus is cleverly taking a knee of resistance, a knee of resistance to the so-called right answers of the established religious authorities. You see, you cannot escape the power dynamics of life. Jesus was a master at resisting the conventional authorities because he was about liber liberation from submission expectations with all the reward and punishments and the degrading labels and judgments that come with that kind of establishment. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders want to know Jesus, want to know from Jesus. By what authority do you do these things? And that is undermining their power and control, so they really need to get to the bottom of this. They did really want to know, because they're trying to set him up to lose credibility, to lose influence, to lose power at the people they're oppressing. 
Today is World Communion Sunday. What is the communion table about? Is there power in the active communion tables of the world? Stop and picture it. How many communion tables are there? In how many places? And what difference does it make? I will take a knee at the communion table today. And I will invite you to consider doing the same. As a symbol, a sign of where our allegiance goes in the push and the pull of the power dynamics of this world. In many ways, the people are pushed down, oppressed, and have not been liberated. I take a knee at the communion table that reminds me of the power that saves and calls me into the kind of resistance that Jesus carried all the way to the cross. In fact, that's the reason they wanted to kill him. This is a power that at first looks weak and like a failure, but ultimately as the real power that liberates. Because it is not a power over, it is a power with. It is a covenant love power. That's what's happening at the communion table that defeats the controlling, dominating powers of so many human systems and so-called leaders. So make no mistake, being a follower of Jesus is the kind of following that causes us into covenant resistance. Jesus resisted the conventional powers that were oppressing instead of liberating. Jesus resisted the conventional powers over and over again. And this resistance, because it affects the power and relational dynamics in the community he was in, was political. Which is why Jesus ended up on the cross. It threatened the powers. It's political because it was resisting those powers that oppressed and it seeks to install a new kind of power, a power with, that liberates. It is political because it asks us where we stand. What posture are we going to take? To what will you take a knee and give your allegiance? This posturing happens all the time in our lives. It happens between individuals. It happens in families. It is evidence in all grabs for power. It can be seen in the struggle to reform institutions and to bring people more freedom and opportunity. The communion table established by Jesus was a power move. It was intended to instill in us a new type of establishment. It shows us a way to resist oppressive powers, a way to learn how to act differently with our power relationships, a way to promote liberation 
a way to acculturate us into a new authority structure of covenant love. A way to remember that the power of the cross is really what makes us strong and powerful. So today, on World Communion Sunday, picture all the communion tables of the world. Let's push together in our minds all those tables. All those tables coming together is the power of the resistant movement of covenant love. That is the movement of Jesus and now of us, his followers. This is a movement that sees racism and privilege and wherever it is found, it resists, resists it. It resists the original sin in America of racism. This is a movement that resists war as a solution to any problem. This is a movement that has an option for the poor and how the establishment powers have pushed so many out of the systems of success. I heard on Friday night and it sits in, in the person asked, assistant pastor in Oklahoma City, who was asked to preach for for Courtney, for her installation. And she said, if the church is not political, then the church is not reading the gospel. Because the gospel is all about resisting the powers that oppress. If the church is not political, it's taken down the communion table of Jesus Christ that establishes a different power relationship. I will take a knee at communion at the table today. And when I do, don't feel forced, but I invite you to join me or some posture that shows where our allegiance is. Amen.